Yo, what up? It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Pacey Twitter, aka Four Eye Willie, aka Martin Luther Bling, aka Malcolm Flex, aka Bangman Adam Beige. Coming at you with a new episode. We should do this again sometime. Typically, we cover specific films each week, but this week we're going a bit more topical and discussing sex and film. Generally speaking, when we talk about sex and film, we have a bit more levity to the episodes. My favorite episode is still when we did the Showgirls episode with B-Hyphen. But this episode has a bit more gravity and a bit more purposeful thoughtfulness when we talk about sex. While the episode won't be boring-filled, it is still hit deep nonetheless. Enjoy. She's fucking fine. But while we're talking about sexy things, should we pivot to our sexy question mark questions? <laughs> well, I don't know if the questions are actually sexy, but they're in the they're in the neighborhood of sex. So there there uh, is sex. Yes, there is sex, yes. Some some good, a lot not so good. <laughs> but I guess I kind of started out to where the reason I wanted to do this episode was obviously there's movies we talked about that involve sex, but there has been some movies that have taken that to a level akin to hell. So, so for me, I really am interested in kind of this new generation of really kind of smart young people such as yourself. That's why we have this podcast. Thank you. And so I'm really in tune with kind of my generation having sex in movies. It was kind of a taboo thing, but then eventually Skinamax was a thing. So I've already talked this uh, story on the pod of how I watched basic instant at a too young of an age but I feel like it was on cable and anyone would just kind of remote could have just looked at it exactly who was around my age at the time anyway. But I am interested kind of in your perspective about sex and film and the ways that it could work and a lot of ways that it does not work. The first question I have for you is what was your earliest experience with sex and film? Was it an uncomfortable experience or were you kind of so young that it didn't really leave an impression? So the short answer is I was thinking about this a lot. And I think the first moment of what I would describe as like, hey, sex is happening was seeing Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, wow. So I think I was a I think I was a junior or a senior in high school. And I saw it with my mom and her friend. That's the first time I remember it. Okay, so please keep in mind that I was raised pretty sheltered. I knew a lot about like current events. I knew a lot of like worldly stuff. I had already been to Europe by then a couple of times, but in movies specifically, that to me sticks out as the first time of like, oh, sometimes they show like sex happening. And it's (laughs) like a quick, it's a quick flash, 
but like I have memories as a little kid, right? Like I, I used to love Queen growing up. I still love Queen. I, I have the Queen Funko Pops above my bed. Freddie Mercury has always been who I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> okay. There's still time for that. And to me, by uh, becoming like Freddie Mercury with a goth aesthetic, I accidentally just became Prince. But we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. I remember Freddie Mercury had a quote at one point that was like, someone asked him if he was gay. And he was like, I don't care what it is. I'd have sex with a chair if it looked good enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hilarious. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that is a thing people want and do. Yeah. Nice. The first time I think I was aware that it was like a thing that happened was probably Revenge of the Sith. Really? Which does not have sex, but like there are a numerous scenes at night with two characters partially dressed and one of them ends up pregnant. Yeah. So mathematically speaking. Um, <laughs> but the first time I remember seeing like, oh, there is like sex happening. Yeah. Like right now was Grand Budapest. And I think some of that is because I was not allowed to see R-rated movies until I was like R-rated age. Maybe yeah. the Rocky. No, the Rocky Horror Picture Show wasn't first. It kind of was. But I don't think I understood what was happening. Like I didn't see Rocky Horror until my senior spring because you have to be 18 to go to a Rocky show. Okay. Well, and, and I makes sense. Was, I wasn't 18 when I went to my first one. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> hilarious i went right from my senior prom but also like believe it or not considering how many boings have happened in this show i am not a super sexual person by nature okay so i think i probably missed a lot just because <laughs> i was raised fairly sheltered and also like sex was not really like an interest to me I was not a kid that like Googled sex words to try to figure out what they were. Like I, I did not care. Okay. I read a lot of a horny Avengers fan fiction, but I was usually like <laughs> in it for the characters, which was really weird looking back. I was like, I just feel like Loki needs to like understand things. So let me like read about it. I definitely developed into like a person who even remotely cared about sex and sexuality as an older person, like in my twenties, early twenties, like 1920 was probably okay. where I really started to even care. Okay. Cause yeah. So that's, that's remarkably different than, and I, I'm, I'm a guy obviously, but I, that's definitely remarkably different than kind of the, the, the kids I kind of grew up around and with like the eighties, you can find like kind of just sort of sleazy sort of just movies or whatever. I mean, we, we watch sex lives and videotape, which that movie is not sleazy. That movie is pretty thought provoking and provocative, but on a good way. But yes. in the eighties and nineties, there's like a ton of just like the shitty kind of sex movies that were just like in the atmosphere and that mm -hmm. we we were really just trying to kind of get a glimpse of just to see a tit like in a lot of ways it, it definitely was like i said it was a little bit of the best of times a lot of the worst of times i i also think and this is something that's i think worth bringing up because i do think it's going to come up later i don't think i started having opinions on sex positive or negative until a lot of bad things related to sex had happened to me 
Okay. That's um, fair enough. I had had some positive sexual experiences before my early 20s, but I did not start having strong opinions about that until I had had negative experiences. And I did have quite a few in a fairly short amount of time. So I do wonder if that does color how I see some of these movies somewhat. And I do think that's worth being mindful of. But at the same time, I do think most young people, especially female presenting people, but not exclusively, that you know, listener, that you know, co-host, have had these negative experiences. And I do think that's a mindful and important thing to bring into this conversation because I, some people don't know what they don't know and that's okay. And largely I am talking to the straight white men who have never been bothered. I care about your opinion and you matter to me, but also this is a place for you to listen and learn. So if your knee jerk reaction is, well, no, it's fine. I need you to to listen and reflect on why certain things might not be fine anymore or don't need to be continue to be made the way that they were made. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I totally agree with that. And that's what I kind of wanted to bring out as far as because these are definitely shifting times and people are not monolith. So it's really important that we do kind of get these differing opinions especially, you know, we we come from starkly different backgrounds, but I think a lot of our senses and a lot of our sensibilities align, you know, fairly evenly for a lot of stuff, especially like moralistically, I would definitely say. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so I definitely wanted to, like I said, bend your ear for this. So do you think that with today's cinema post 9-11, when basically other than like 50 shades of gray like there's like a significant gap of when sex and film was like a thing and it's not really a thing anymore mm-hmm. like do you think it's a positive thing or a negative thing generally i think of it as a negative thing because i think it has stifled many of the burgeoning forms of section sexuality that exist and it has yeah. become harder to see yourself reflected in your media simultaneously i have found that a lot of things that would be considered sexual harassment or sexual assault somehow still slide on in. So we're getting a lot fewer positive examples of sexuality, but a lot more negative ones. Yeah. And even 50 shades of gray, I would say largely counts as a negative example. Christian gray is not (laughs) an attentive partner and he blatantly disregards Anastasia's safe word several times. Never even mind that the movies are bad, but like as an example of a dynamic, it's inherently damaging. So I do think that the fact that we allow these kind of only, I won't say only, but largely poor examples of sexuality, damaging sexuality to enter the zeitgeist and not more positive examples, I think is really, is is damaging. And I do think that's been reflected in the culture somewhat. Yeah. Because sex is not a villain. Sex is not a thing that should be demonized, but because of our weird purity culture slash like (laughs) American values that we kind of reverted to that are outdated to our modern standard of living, especially after 9-11. Yeah. Especially for women. I feel that the message that is often pushed is not sex is a thing you do or enjoy. Sex is a thing that happens to you. And you should probably just hope that it happens to you in a positive way. Yeah. And I do think now with with not a lot of years, but several years of hindsight, 
part of what I enjoy about the Grand Budapest Hotel's depiction of sex so much is like these women still want it. <laughs> these <laughs> these old ass ladies who look like dead bodies <laughs> still are still trying to get it. They go on vacation to this one hotel because they know this guy will get it. Like <laughs> it, there is never any question about if either party wants it. Everybody wants it. Everybody's there. Yeah. They are all old, insecure, and blonde and ready to <laughs> throw the fuck down. <laughs> that's but funny. I do think that, like, it's kind of weird that that's kind of groundbreaking. Uh, yeah. Cause, like, we're talking about kind of brought up the Shades of Grey and the negativeness of that film. I remember watching that on Valentine's Day, like, the, the year that it came out in a room full of people and thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. And and even a movie like Secretary from 2002 to where there is a positive message in that film, the movie is somewhat tongue-in-cheek and it's somewhat humorful. But at the same time, like the ultimate message of Secretary is the importance of even if you consider yourself a dom and you have someone who is submissive, that ultimately there's a balance between the two. And just because you're you consider yourself a dom, that does not mean you do not submit to your submissive. And so any of the secretary was like really powerful, I think, because you actually see James Spader actually taking care of Maggie General Hall and that they actually blossom a real relationship, even out of kind of the, the humor of what that movie was. And Swedish is great. You don't get that at all. Yeah. And also like, don't forget your submissive is choosing to be there. <laughs> yes so that's another problem that is a big problem with men and and then consider themselves being dominant to whereas like there is power in being submissive but that kind of message is not really you know shown in, in films anymore at least by cloistering sex and sexuality that does make it a more uncomfortable topic for people to discuss especially children and I do think that's part of why, and I don't, I don't mean to speak for generations that I'm not a part of necessarily, but I'm aware that I fall on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z. And I do wonder if that's why a lot of young people right now are tending to blossom into these labels of sexuality fairly young. Yeah. Because so little of their media reflects what they're feeling. But also, it is equal parts hypersexualized and completely sexually sanitized. Yeah. And I'm wondering, and, and this is in no way a dig, but if some of this labeling that we're seeing is in response, and, and also this experimenting and, and this, you know, whatever, right? Some of it's because of the internet, I'm sure, but some of it is because they just don't see themselves reflected in, in media and want to push that. No, definitely. Definitely. Like, one of the movies that we covered was, but I'm a cheerleader. And in the 90s, you had a pretty solid representation of queer womanhood. And that movie, it's, it's like another movie that's pretty humorous, but at the, the core of it, there is this emotionality of this girl having this sexual awakening and then her finding her other half and then them, you know, making the choice to be together in a world that's continually trying to pull them apart. I would love that this generation of trans people had a movie like but I'm a cheerleader. That would be really awesome. 
And and the closest thing that I can think of even as a lesbian movie is Blue is the Warmest Color, which is a beautiful movie that I think is excellent, but is very sad in comparison. <laughs> yeah. There are so few queer rom-coms even. I think we're starting to yeah. see a resurgence of that. But I'm a cheerleader. It was what, 1996? I think it's actually 98. But still, that's almost 25 years yeah. With nothing except movies where people are sad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we're if we wanted to pivot to talk to the positives real quick, <laughs> of which I don't think there are many, by the way, but I do think it's worth saying. Oftentimes films that are depicted as glamorizing sex don't show the realities of sex. Yeah. And can often lead to un- unrealistic expectations. I do think porn does the same thing. Definitely. Uh, but I do think that showing a variety of options in your cinema would help to give a little more variety between just like, well, it's it's porn or rape. Because that <laughs> kind of seems to be some of the option feel sometime. Yes. You know, I think a young adult romantic comedy that covers... Like a young adult sex comedy that covers condoms, yeah, could be a a really important tool. Since the American education system has decided that contraception is something they will not do. <laughs> Fucking true. Like, unfortunately, if media is part of educating the youth, because certain educational systems that exist, and this is not a dig at any particular educators, but. I'm aware the that y'all have to kind of operate in what your state will allow. If John Oliver has to teach you about condoms, I think it would be good to have some movies that back that up. But because frank portrayals of sex are not really a thing that we do, yeah, that doesn't happen. From I started that out as about a positive, and it just it just died. It's not positive. It's also bad. <laughs> I know there's a movie from like 1997 that actually is a is a teen comedy about the older brother from boy meets world and jennifer love hewitt called trojan war and it's literally about this guy's quest to get a condom so he can have sex with jennifer love hewitt actually not even her like some other some other like blonde girl or whatever but i think that message definitely needs to get back because this we're living in a raw dog generation Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere podcasts or streams. So, everybody, check them out. You know, The Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. But actually, I do have a question to actually kind of get it a little bit positive, or maybe if if there is an answer that you have for this, kind of talking about the negatives and a lot of this really does have to do with if there is sex in film, it's shot primarily from the perspective of the male gaze, but it doesn't really take into account the woman or woman viewers receiving any pleasure. Do you have any favorite movies that kind of run against that that actually takes women's pleasure into consideration? I'll be honest. I had a really hard time with that. Yeah, the three and four between. 
my first thought was, oh, the postman only rings twice. But that's not a great example of that. Because like, even then, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, you don't really like see that happening or feel that happening in any sort of significant way. I guess I got to throw it out to Grand Budapest Hotel again, the most sexless (laughs) sex comedy, apparently. I was thinking about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but there's no real sex in that movie, is there? There is implied sex based on the fact that they are naked and entangled after, presumably, but not really. Yeah. I mean, I do think that Basic Instinct... I don't think that there is a movie without her enjoying having sex. I don't know that we <laughs> see her enjoying having sex, but that is a movie where I at least feel like it's feasible to believe that is a thing she is enjoying, not uh, the other <laughs> women in that movie, because literally watch what's his nuts, Michael Douglas, like a rape a therapist. Yeah, that uh, wasn't a very bright spot. It was not but uh, Sharon spot. Stone like sex good job um <laughs> good job what about in the cut because that yeah. was a tricky because there there's there are parts to where obviously like the theme of that is meg ryan is kind of having i don't know if it's a sexual awakening but it's i mean mark ruffalo definitely awakened something in her yeah. um but, but uh, i think jane champion does a pretty good job in that one yeah no that's that's for sure I would say more something than than a lot of these movies. But like, I can't think of a movie where a woman enjoying having sex is not a large part of her character and not also part of the conflict. Yeah. Mamma Mia. She has sex with three guys in a couple of weeks and gets pregnant. And everybody's like, you slut. Like, <laughs> it's It's yeah. not like, oh, I'm so glad you like had a nice taunt. Like, nope, slut. Like, I was like, well, body heat. And I was like, no, 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 not body heat. No, no. There's a lot of them where I'm like, oh, is it? No, it's not. You know, one movie that you have to watch. I I think this is the the third or fourth time this will be mentioned on the pod, but you got to watch Bound without your parents because Bound, they they do a really good job of that. I say, whoo, doggy. That is a woo doggy situation. Okay, cool. So that is the first movie that we can think of. And we're both scrolling through our letterbox scissors trying to find another one. Because I was going to say Chasing Amy, but Mm -mm. no, no, not really. Like Bill and Ted face the music. A central plot point is that they don't care about their wives. Yeah. Like, great. Moving on. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty slow, pretty, pretty slow for the woman, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I I guess this is not a compliment, but Postcards from the Edge is a pretty frank account of female sexuality. We don't see a lot of women necessarily enjoying having sex, but we do see women who are interested in sex, which in and of <laughs> itself is kind of groundbreaking. Yeah. I get that. I get Is that. Is it terrible though that I'm like, oh, the graduate. <laughs> the graduate with a mom. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's the only thing about her in the movie. Yeah. Oh my God. I scrolled through and I just saw Boogie Nights. 
absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I even kind of feel like, so the only one that I, I really think of that came to, to mind, like, and honestly, I feel like fits okay, is she's got to have it. Yes. Yes. And that's the only one besides Bound that I feel like even kind of fits the, the bill. Yes, that is a but great even, But even then, at a certain point, I do feel that it becomes very much about like what the men want her to want. Oh, it's spe- not especially at the end. Yes. Yeah, it starts about her, but it doesn't end about her. And I do also feel like that falls in, even though I would not say it does this successfully as like a narrative, it kind of does as a film about domesticating the woman that wants sex. Yeah. It is a thing. Um, That's a thing that a lot of movies do. And I feel like she's got to have it kind of tries to do that too. Yeah. I did mention this a little bit, sex lies and videotape, but specifically Cynthia. Yes. Like, yep. I, I love Cynthia in that movie. Her I do think so there are flashes of it, but then yeah. I'm, I'm scrolling through and the, the next the one that I can think of is Monster in which the serial Ooh. killer is the one that enjoys sex. Like, that's not good either. Yeah. That inherently demonizes women that enjoy sex. And that's the thing, right? For every yeah. one step forward we get, we get a domestication or a serial killer back. Yes, definitely. The Prestige is another one where that woman is very uh, Lucy, right? Scarlett Johansson is very sexually forward and she ends up getting handed off to that other guy and then he winds up being two guys and she's never happy because she doesn't know who she's going to be sleeping with. One day, should we have like a 500 days of summer conversation? Because I feel like that movie is... I think the movie itself is one thing, but then the reaction to it was something vastly different. The existence of 500 Days of Summer and the reaction to it, I think is bar none. It's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, I think Scott Pilgrim did a similar thing. Um, Not necessarily like ideologically similar, although I do think they're kind of ideologically similar, but it's the fix it girl, right? It's, it's the romantic girl who's only there to like make you a better man and then become sexually available for you because you have become a better man. Yeah. We now call it the Manifix Your Dream Girl thing. But both of those movies give me such visceral recoil to think of. Not even necessarily <laughs> because they're bad, but and this is going to sound horribly self-centered, but I don't care because of what they did for women like me. <laughs> I mean, that's if that's your truth, that's your truth. Fuck it. Because all I've ever tried to do and all I've ever tried to be is somebody who brings the people that love me up with me when I come up. I'm never going to pretend to be anybody I'm not. I'm never going to pretend to be anything different. And both of those movies just wreak havoc on your life (laughs) when you are a woman that cares about people. Yeah. This is a weird choice, but I am going to throw it out there. I'm going to say generally like Nancy Myers movies. I was thinking that because I scrolled over Something's Gotta Give. And I do. Let me pull up her list. Because I feel like something's got to give is a good one where you watch this person do that. It's complicated is another good one. Yeah. The holiday is a mess of a movie, but there is some like positive sex that happens there. <laughs> Hilarious. I think that may be the I haven't watched that one. Oh, it's a, it's a mess. It's, it's like seven hours too long. It's a mess, but... 
hilarious. The sex that happens is good and it feels authentic and it's it's real and the people who have it experience it, you know, like it's a thing and and the women have a nice time and the men have a nice time. But also like I'm fully aware that oftentimes romance movies are derided because they are the female fantasy. And that makes me upset because oftentimes the female fantasy is just to be treated as an equal in the relationship and not have to do all the work. Yeah. The female fantasy is I want a guy that takes initiative sometime about how I'm doing emotionally. Yeah. Not just takes initiative and drags me into the bedroom. And so I do think that oftentimes when those movies are derided, especially by male critics, like that says a lot more about the nature of criticism than it does about the movies themselves. And I think that like it's complicated is a great example of that, where I remember people being like, Meryl Streep is having sex at her age. And I'm like, yeah, y'all, Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin are also in this movie as people who have sex. Why is it not a, a problem for them? Yeah. I mean, even something's got to give like the running joke of that is Jack Nicholson Nicholson's character is always like laying 20 and 30 something year olds when he is double their age. Maybe fucking yeah. triple. Um I feel like Scream is an, an example of something where they this is gonna sound really bad because you know I love Scream, but like they really thought they had something there. <laughs> Yeah. Where they were like, here she is deciding to like give her virginity to Skeet Ulrich. But he spends that whole movie like I was like, oh, they wouldn't also have him be the murderer. He's too busy spending this whole movie wearing her down. (laughs) He doesn't have time in his schedule for both. He unfortunately did. You know, but I feel like they really thought like, ah, Sydney's like choosing. And I was like, no, 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 no. Sydney is giving in. Yeah. And that's not how they make it feel in the scene. In the moment, they make it feel like this romantic thing. And it isn't. Yeah. I've been that girl. Someone tearing at you with sandpaper until there's nothing left of you to pull apart is not romantic. It's coercion. So we talked a little bit about trying to find some examples of sex in movies that actually it tries to avoid or at least diminish kind of doing it for the male gaze but actually trying to do it for the women have you thought of any films like uh that may have used sex in film as an effective device in in storytelling to actually elevate the movie there are certain movies that i feel could not exist without elements of sex and sexuality sex lies and videotape is one of them where like that movie could not exist without it right it just couldn't but i do feel like they did a good enough job with it that i'm not upset you know like i'm like all right you know what i see i see what you're doing movie good job movie because i think it's this is gonna sound very bizarre but i think it's really difficult to make neutral sex yeah like not offensive sex not unimportant sex but sex is like all right i see what this is doing narratively it's fine and i think that sex lives and videotape is a really good example of that I think that until the last 15-ish minutes, let me grab this name because I always get it wrong. You rated it really highly. It was an HBO movie. It's female-led. She's like escaping her husband who uh, lives in New York and uh, she goes to a small town and takes a job at this company. Oh, Last Seduction. Yes, there we go. 
Oh, that movie was fucking gnarly. I love that fucking movie. The last 10 minutes were so viscerally upsetting to me that I, I really felt that it detracted like a whole star from my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah. But I do feel also that like that I thought was a really great opportunity. Like they, they every time we see the secondary couple, so her and that guy that she meets in like the hick town have yeah. sex. It's an extension of her hold over him. Yeah. So we don't necessarily see her enjoy it. I don't think it's a positive example of sexuality. If anything, I think that movie probably comes out net less feminist than it went in. But (laughs) it does show a marker of their perceived intimacy that she then is able to leverage. And I think that's a really good example of a depiction of sexuality that is like necessary for the plot. Although I do think, again, the end, major content warning. It was very disturbing and i was all all in until then but oy. <laughs> yeah i mean i actually kind of pivots to one of the questions that i had last seduction isn't necessarily considered a classic it's like a cult kind of thing like yeah but i i literally just watched it like last year for the first time after kind mm-hmm. of hearing about like rumbling a little bit so other than that movie have there been any so-called classic films that were ruined by like a gross depiction of sexual assault it's really interesting because a lot of times in the kind of noir genre 40s 50s 60s even some of the early 70s stuff I tend to be able to give it a pass because like I am aware what the world was like then. But once in a while, something will happen that will just just ruin even that. Um, Yeah. So the first thing that I think of is in a lonely place where he does not sexually assault her at any point, but he does routinely assault her physically while like talking about them getting married so they can have sex. And it's it's a great movie. It's an amazing performance. Like it is, it is truly a breathtaking performance, but it is hard to watch. It is uncomfortable to watch. It is not good nor pleasant. Yeah. Kiss me deadly, right? Like this guy is stringing his secretary along and sleeping with several other women. And at a certain point, she's like, I don't want to kiss you. And he's like, shut up. Yes, you do. And it's like, yeah, all right. Like that's the trope set. Like that's kind of how it goes. You know, I think there's a degree of it where it becomes I don't know what the line is, but I know that it's there. Yeah. And it's kind of difficult to articulate because like, I know where my line is, but I don't know where everyone else's line is. I think some people's line is probably further out than mine. And some people's is probably closer than mine, but there's a certain point where I feel like, okay, you know what? A guy being like, ah, you crazy dame. Like that is a, a sign of the times, right? It's an outdated cultural depiction. It was wrong. Then it was wrong now, but when it becomes a trying to break somebody down to sleep with you, when it becomes a taking advantage of someone while they're intoxicated or asleep, when it becomes a thing that still happens routinely, like in life as a young person, and is not something that is taken seriously yeah, by the people around the person it happens to, I think that to me is where it becomes a little too like, are you shitting me? No, nah, I feel that. And I do believe that there's a time and a place for those depictions, but especially in older films, those are often not sympathetic depictions. Yeah. You know, it's usually the woman's fault for being out by herself or by getting drunk or taking a drink, period. 
Yeah. And that is hard to watch, especially because that still happens. And it's, it is disappointing in a lot of ways uh, how the more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah. And like, I was just thinking about 16 Candles and how I, I vividly remember the review that Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel gave it and they were like praising it. And that movie is just fucking insane, like insanely gross. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great example, actually, because at least in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the two romantic leads, we don't see them have sex, but like it's implied that it happens. But they're pretty much equal status characters, right? Yeah. The cheerleader and the nerd are only equal status characters when she is passed out when she is unconscious and the way that the movie so heavily parades that as a win, he yeah. did it. He got her is appalling. Yes. Very um, much so. And even kind of the main dynamic of the guy getting tired of his girlfriend. So he drunkenly kind of hands her off to someone he knows has ill intention for her is honestly kind of the most insidious part because that happens still. And it's it's no, nobody's responsibility necessarily to take care of anybody else, right? I'm aware of that. But if women were not so mercilessly pitted against each other, I do think there's a, a, a world that exists where Molly sees the cheerleader that her name's Molly, right? The character's names. I don't, I don't remember. Maybe. Who knows? Um, but where that that character sees her that drunk and says, I got to take care of her. She shouldn't be alone right now. Yeah. And then the movie doesn't end because yeah. the only thing that causes the movie to end is this teenage girl being offered up as, as a sexual tribute to another boy. Yeah. And like, again, I don't necessarily have issues with depictions of sexuality, but like that being so clearly marketed as a win like, we can't be surprised that that's how young men sex now is like a quest you win. Yeah. And it's not all movie and TV and video games fault, but it's a factor. I mean, yes. Like, like there were a generation of boys, teens and men who grew up loving 16 candles and it not ever being a question of the morality of it. Or that same generation of boys grew up knowing that girls grew up loving 16 Candles and that that would excuse their behavior. Yeah, definitely. So we kind of pivoted to kind of talking about sexual assault in film because obviously it's like an offshoot of these 80s and 90s movies had sex in film and then it kind of crossed the line into sort of nasty and terrible sort of ways. But from what you've seen the kind of film, has there ever been like a movie that actually depicts sexual assault in like a delicate or in a thoughtful way? There are a couple that I think do do a decent job with it. One is uh, Precious. Oh, uh, yeah. But there's, a, I think, an inherent flaw in talking about how a film depicts sexual assault because every person who has been assaulted handles it differently. Fair. fair. And, and I do think that we either have to pivot to depicting it as that whole spectrum yeah, or we need to stop because right now, a lot of what sexual assault does is shorthand for now that woman is stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And like house of cards is a show that I think actually has a really good example of that, that I actually think makes sense. Right. Claire 
uh, the Robin Wright character is sexually assaulted when she's in college and she talks about it in the third person and you can see the wall that she built with that. And that is how some women handle it. Yeah. And I think that is a really good depiction of that. And also Sansa Stark has that. And also Cersei Lannister has that. And also half of the women in Game of Thrones have that. Daenerys for sure has that. Yeah. And so the issue in certain situations is that that just is not how every single woman on the planet handles that. And that's okay. Yeah. It is problematic when you depict the only way a woman can level up is by being assaulted. And I do think that in a lot of ways, that's been the feminist reclaiming of that thing. At least Precious, I feel like, is a very sympathetic portrayal of the struggle. And obviously it's a story of an ongoing problem. So that's its own kind of subheading there. Yeah. But the struggle, the denial, the fact that the mother is a bad person, but also because she doesn't have the understanding, the empathy, whatever it is to address what's happening. Like it's horrible. I don't necessarily recommend that you watch it. Yeah. Precious is a tough fucking watch. But it is at least pushing on those things. And on those feelings. And that's very real. Yeah. I would say Black Swan is more of a portrayal of sexual harassment than sexual assault. But I do think that that it merits a place in the conversation as well. Yeah. Because the idea of the the pushing and the pushing and the pushing to let yourself be bad. I don't think that's how you would talk to a man. Yeah. A lot of what sexual harassment and sexual assault is, for those of you listening at home who just don't understand, is treating somebody different because you think that you can put your thing in their thing, as opposed to the other way around. I'm not here to invalidate any male experiences. I'm not. But a large number of the sexual assault and sexual harassment spaces start that way. Yeah. Some are male on male, some are female on female, some are female on male. Those exist. You are so valid. I love you so much. If we're talking strictly about what's portrayed on film, the majority of it by a lot, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, is male perpetrating female. Yeah. Even, was it called Closer? When um, the guy goes to the strip club and just goes fucking berserk. Yeah, Clive Owen. He sees um, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. And it's kind of played off as like, oh, fellas being possessive of their idealistic ideal of femininity that they can't keep because they're bad at everything. (laughs) Fellas, am I right, fellas? (laughs) I think that there are a lot of portrayals that are half good. Just to circle back to Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim's girlfriend is a child. They don't let him off the hook forward, but at the same time, it's definitely still there. It's like sound advice or whatever. It's like comics, conventions, and cosplay or whatever. It's like ladies night or whatever. It's like wrestling or whatever. It's like parenting or whatever. It's like anime or whatever. It's like spiritual warfare or whatever. It's like great friends, awesome people coming around doing what we do best or whatever. You should watch, listen, and follow or whatever. It's like a podcast or whatever. But 
we've kind of been circling to this kind of point to kind of end on. So we've kind of talked about how we're kind of in this sort of diminished kind of sense of sex and films, whereas it was kind of, it was super prevalent, you know, a generation ago, but now it's kind of dwindled representation for like the spectrum of sexuality, whether it's, you know, people who have alternative lifestyles or who are victims of sexual assault, positive portrayals of those lifestyles and those kind of uh, happenstances, they're just not really there anymore. And it doesn't really feel like it's changing anytime soon, I would say. Um, But from your perspective, do you think that sex belongs in film anymore? Yes, I think it does. First of all, I think that you got to really think, why is it there? Whether that's sex, sexual assault, why is it there? What are we doing? Yeah. But also, I I think that as things go, it's going to be cyclical, right? I would not be surprised if we get a whole batch of weird teen sex movies and just general kind of sexy movies probably after after the pandemic's over. And that's okay. I love that. But... At the same time, (laughs) I think it needs to be thoughtful because if you want to go have sex with whoever, whenever, whatever, groovy, and that should be depicted as such. Yeah. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, I do think it needs to be depicted as as like consensual and groovy. So if you're a filmmaker making a movie about a woman who wants to go have a lot of sex, because in what movie do men who have a lot of sex get punished? I'll wait. (laughs) <laughs> i was gonna say never absolutely never great do that make sure that it is for the right reasons if the studio says okay well now she has to be punished think about if you need to make that movie yeah i think the place where we're gonna see more frank depictions of sexuality is gonna be in the independent movies that are gonna continue to come out because people can make cinema quality movies on their phones now and i'm excited to see that But I still can't get over the fact, and we've talked about this before, the women in Marvel movies who have moments where they feel beautiful get punished. Yeah. Everybody is washed down with the sexless hue except the ones who die. (laughs) Yeah. And and Harry Potter does the same thing. The women who care about their appearance at any point get punished. Jesus. I mean, DC is kind of the same thing. Wonder Woman went from this radiant goddess to someone who is pinned under the flash in new promo art. Oh, fuck me. Where Gal Gadot insisted on using a body double because she did not think that Wonder Woman would ever. You know, but at the same time, we get these really complex portraits of sexuality in like the Watchmen series. Yeah. Where she's a strong woman and she's competent and she's kick-ass and she likes having sex with her husband. And that's good. (laughs) Yes. Great even. So show whatever you want. But if you are going to show the status quo of a straight romance where sex happens and the woman endures it, not enjoys it, endures it, because that is the norm. Yeah. That's the best case scenario norm. (laughs) I want filmmakers to think about why. What are you doing? What are you serving? Because I'm tired of seeing women get sexually assaulted. I'm tired of women being sperm ashtrays. I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of women who are film critics are tired. The two women who like canonically have had sex in the MCU are Black Widow and Gamora. And they are both fridged in the <laughs> same movie. Not all sex needs to be thoughtful sex. People, people have hookups. People do things. But if you're making a movie, why are they having sex? Who's enjoying it? Who isn't? I would love to see a woman in a situation get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Hey, I thought I wanted to do this, but I... This isn't working for me. I'm so sorry. Maybe where the guy doesn't try to kill her after. Something I did want to point out. We're talking about sex in movies. We really didn't talk about like romance in movies. And one of the offshoots that kind of destroyed even that for the most part was the kind of post 9-11 conservatism, but also all those like bro comedies that we all like love, like Road Trip and like um, all those like Vince Vaughn frat old man movies like those effectively just centered the male gaze on all those movies where those men really have no kind of like recourse they go through life as shitty men but then in the end they get the beautiful woman anyway so adam sandler comes to mind also <laughs> yes it's definitely one of those things that you know is a, is a big fucking problem and and i also think it's very prevalent in horror that trope set exists very strongly there as well and i would love to see a final girl that's a whore (laughs) and i don't mean that as any sort of slut shaming language i mean i would like to see a woman who let's say has an only fans who is paid money for sexual content to fucking shove a vibrating dildo in mike myers mouth and run hilarious that'd Um, be a hell of a plot twist and i think that at the end of the day If your movie is contingent on punishing a minority person, whether that's a woman, whether that's a person of color, whether that's a queer person's sexuality, go ahead and take a look at every other movie that's ever been made and really think about if one of them has done it better than you're planning on doing it. If yes, reevaluate. Responsible sex between two parties who are excited to be there is good. It's the best. Oh, I I don't know if I'd go that far. I had a really good chocolate chip cookie pie one time, which like maybe, maybe beats that. Kat, you say you didn't want the orgasm cookie from Matrix 2, so, you know. I I didn't. That's because I already had an orgasm brownie from a different bakery. Hi-oh! Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter. Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus, at Show and Mad Love, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter, at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?